Welcome to the Rabbi Greenberg Show, the podcast that brings Jewish knowledge to you. Is wealth a good thing? It's almost axiomatic in religious circles that wealth is a negative, that wealth corrupts, money corrupts, money is the root of all evil, but yet we find a refreshing approach to wealth in Jewish sources. We know that the patriarchs were wealthy. We know that Joseph, prime minister of Egypt, was wealthy. We know that Moses was wealthy. Later on, we have the great sage Rabbi Akiva was wealthy. He wasn't always wealthy, but he became very wealthy. Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi, the compiler of the Mishnah, the editor of the Mishnah, was one of the wealthiest people, rivaled the wealth of the emperor in Rome. And throughout history, we found many great Jewish leaders were very poor, for sure, but also were very rich. Our sages seem to put down wealth, or the pursuit of wealth, by saying, who is a rich person? One who is satisfied with his lot. So how do we reconcile the attitude of wealth as being something that could be disruptive to a person's life, that wealth could actually cause a person to not be happy? So how could you be wealthy and happy? How could you turn wealth into a virtue? So I think the answer depends on our attitude, of course, to wealth, to the accumulation of wealth. And I'd like to use a mnemonic, an acronym, use the word wealth itself, the W-E-A-L-T-H. There are six ingredients that I think are crucial for a person to really appreciate wealth and for wealth to be a positive. Let's start with the W. Where does it come from? The first premise in a person's attitude towards wealth is knowing where it comes from. What is the source of one's wealth? If one thinks to himself or herself that I produce this wealth with my business acumen, with my brilliance, with my hard work, they miss the point. They'll never be satisfied because they'll always think that their work and their brilliance should have brought them even more wealth. One has to recognize that the source of all wealth comes from above, that all wealth is like the manna from heaven that obviously had nothing to do with the people. They didn't bring the manna. The manna came as a gift from God. Well, one could ask if that's the correct attitude, that everything comes from God and our effort means nothing, then let us just sit back do nothing, and God will give us whatever it is that he wants to give us. So why do we have to go to work? Well, the Jewish approach is that, yes, we know that everything comes from God, but we have to create the vessel, the receptacle. God, the Torah says, says to us, I will bless you in all that which you do. In other words, you have to create a vessel in which God will pour his blessing. If you have the vessel, it doesn't guarantee that you'll have the blessing, but if you have the blessing, you still need a vessel in order to be able to receive it. I just want to share a little bit of a humorous anecdote. I was traveling from Las Vegas to Los Angeles, and someone told me I had to go through the desert and I have to be hydrated. So I bought a bottle of water for $2. And then in the middle of the way, I had to stop off at a gas station to fill up. And I thought to myself, I'll buy some water to replenish my supply. 
And uh, I see a, a vending machine, and it said a gallon of water for 25 cents. So I said, wow, that's a real bargain. So I put in the 25 cents, and out came a gallon of water. It splattered all over. I did not bring a container, a vessel, in which to contain the water. So yes, we do need a vessel. You have to do something, but you have to know that the vessel does not bring wealth. It's God's blessing exclusively that brings the wealth. So that's the first approach that we have to know where it comes from. It's like manna from heaven. Then we go to the E. The E stands for the energy, the enthusiasm that we expend in the pursuit of wealth. There's a story of the fifth Lubavitcher Rebbe, Rabbi Shalom Dovber Schneerson, whose follower was a very noted chassid, scholar, very pious man, who got into the business of selling or manufacturing boots. And after he had totally immersed himself in that business, his spirituality had dropped somewhat. So the Rebbe tells him, you know, I've seen feet in boots. I never saw a head in boots. What he meant was, you have put your whole energy, your whole life's energy and enthusiasm into your business, into the pursuit of money. Instead, we put our energy into the things that really matter the most. Now, it doesn't mean that a person cannot be enthusiastic about their work. A doctor cannot be enthusiastic about treating people. A lawyer can't be enthusiastic about defending people. Sure they can, and they should, because they're doing a service. They're doing something positive. But when you exchange the positive aspects of wealth for the wealth itself, for the pursuit of wealth itself, and your whole energy is invested in that pursuit, that is a recipe for failure in terms of enjoying your wealth and really being wealthy and happy. Then you have the A. The A stands for accomplishments. What do I mean by accomplishments? We work six days a week, the Torah says. Torah doesn't just say rest on the Sabbath. It says you have to work six days a week. And then you have the the Sabbath, Shabbat. When a person works, what motivates the person to work? It's the delight that you get from the work itself. Well, if you enjoy the work, then of course you get delight. If you don't enjoy the work or you just want the money to be able to support yourself and your family, then you want the support that you have from your work. And when you see that you have achieved your goal, there's a certain sense of delight. But while you're working, when you're putting your whole head into the work, and especially those people who have become workaholics, they don't have a chance to experience the delight. They never savor their accomplishments because they're just so preoccupied with more and more work and being worried about maybe their work is not going to be profitable, maybe something will happen. They're constantly worried. If you own your own business, for example, you don't just work nine to five. You take it home with you. You sleep with it. You dream about it. You wake up with it. So you never savor your accomplishments. How do you savor your accomplishments when you know that there's a limit to your work? Yes, six days of the week you work and you can work hard to create that vessel. But the seventh day you rest, which, number one, provides you with a respite from the work and you could sit back and you could savor your accomplishments. You feel a delight. 
That's exactly what God did. God worked for six days, so to speak, because God doesn't get tired from his work. But when did he withdraw, so to speak, from the creation of the world, involvement in the creation on the Sabbath? What does that mean? It means that God now was able to, so to speak, sit back and enjoy the very act of creation itself. Shabbos, Shabbat, is a day of delight when we savor our accomplishments. If a person works seven days a week, a person does not have Shabbat, they never really feel content and satisfied with their accomplishments because they always have to do more and they're never satisfied. So that is the A of the word wealth. And then you have the L. The L stands for license and legitimacy. There's a midrash that says that God really had no reason to create gold. Why did he create gold? Because they needed it in the Mishkan, in the tabernacle, and in the Beit HaMikdash, in the Holy Temple. So if you take that statement at face value, it means that God really doesn't want to give us gold. Because it's not necessary. We can live without gold. And by gold, by extension, could mean all sorts of luxuries and fancy things and expensive things wealth itself, but God created it because he wanted the temple to be exquisitely beautiful and rich. God's house has to be beautiful. So God says, well, once I created the gold as a uh, concession to humanity, I'll let them have gold as well and let them permit them to use gold and to use wealth, even if it's not for the temple. That would be the simple but also very superficial way of understanding that Midrash. What the Midrash is really saying is that God created wealth for the temple. Not just the temple in Jerusalem, the temple that was built with actual gold, but it refers to everything that we build in our lives, our own homes, our communities, everything that we build, everything that we accomplish has to be ultimately a sanctuary for God. How do we make our home a sanctuary for God? When you put a mezuzah on the doorpost, when you have meals and you invite guests into your home, when the meals are kosher, when you observe the Shabbat and Jewish holidays, when the house, the atmosphere, you have a pushka, a charity box attached to the wall. And every time you cook, you remember that there are other people who don't have food and you put money into the pushka, into the charity box. We're talking about how you can transform your home and your whole life by extension into a sanctuary for God. So God says, that's why I created wealth. Wealth was not created for expensive homes just for the sake of having luxury. It was created, yes, you can have luxury, you can have wealth, but recognize that it was created for one purpose exclusively. And to the extent that we live a life that everything we do contributes to the creation of this sanctuary, and ultimately the whole world becomes God's sanctuary every time we do a mitzvah in our homes or out of our homes. So that is the L, the license that we have to use wealth, and that gives legitimacy to our wealth. I know a lot of people, rich people, they reach middle age especially, and they become very depressed. They have everything they ever wanted. Every dream was realized and they're depressed. Why are they depressed? If they were poor, I can understand. If they were sick, I can understand. But they're rich, healthy, and yet they're on top of the world. They bought their latest 
the newest sports car. They have every luxury, and yet they're very depressed. Why? Because they feel very empty. They feel their lives have no legitimacy. The most powerful sense of satisfaction and happiness comes to a person when they know that they have legitimacy, when they are validated, when they can say to themselves, I know why God created me. I did something worthwhile. I did something that makes the world a better place, a godly place, and fulfills the very purpose for which God created the world and for which God created me. So the L of wealth stands for license, the license we have to use wealth for the creation of a sanctuary, and that, that which gives us legitimacy. And then we have the T. The T is the word tzedakah. Depends how you want to spell the word tzedakah in English, but for the sake of our acronym, T stands for tzedakah. Tzedakah we translate as charity, which actually means that which is righteous. The right thing is to give tzedakah. But it's not just the right thing. Yes, it is the right thing. Even if you don't want to give, even if you have no pleasure in giving, you still have to give. But that's not exactly what is the reality. The reality is that when you give, you get the greatest sense of satisfaction. As long as you're only on the receiving end, you feel less than human. There's something missing in you in us when we just hoard everything for ourselves and we keep as much as we can for ourselves. The only time you really feel happy is when you share with others. And the reason for that, the rationale behind that is that when you give something, let's say, to a poor person, poor person has needs, you give him $1,000 to take care of his needs. You feel good about it because you gave someone something they needed, you fulfilled a mitzvah. Now, who gets more out of this exchange? You get, or does the poor person, the recipient, get? So our sages tell us that the recipient, or let's start off with the donor, the donor gets a lot more from the act of giving tzedakah than the recipient. Because even if you give the recipient a million dollars, a million is a nice number, but it's finite. What you get is infinite. What we get when we give tzedakah, when we give and share our wealth with others, has no value. It's beyond value because it's the way we fulfill a mitzvah. A mitzvah connects us to God. God who is infinite, we share a part of that infinite godly energy. And therefore, we get something that the poor person gives us when he receives the, the, the charitable donation. The poor person gets a nice amount of money, but it's finite. And the distance between that which is finite and that which is infinite is infinite. And then we get to the last letter of wealth. The H stands for happiness, a happy soul. If you want your wealth, whatever you have, your home, your car, and all of the things that you own and possess, from a person who has just limited amount of, someone who has unlimited, relatively speaking, if they're not happy because of everything else in their lives, they're not going to enjoy their wealth. And it's true, both physical happiness and spiritual happiness. Physical happiness, we all understand. If a person is very rich but is suffering from terrible illness or family members are suffering from terrible illness, you can't enjoy your wealth. A human being cannot enjoy wealth 
without having good health. In fact, there's an uh, interpretation of the opening words of the Torah, Breshit bara, in the beginning he created. And the word bara in Hebrew etymologically is re- related to the word briut, health. Breshit, the first thing you have to have is health. Without health, you can't enjoy the rest of what God offers us in his world, in his creation. But it's also true about spiritual happiness. If the soul is not nourished, if a person is starving physically, he's not going to enjoy the fact that he has a million dollars in the bank. You can die of starvation with a million dollars. doesn't help you if you can't have access to food. The same thing is true for the soul. The soul also needs food. The soul has to be nourished. And what is the nourishment for the soul? The mitzvahs that we do. Every time we do a mitzvah, every time we give tzedakah, every time we put on tefillin, every time we do whatever the mitzvah may be, light a Shabbos candle. And there are 613 biblical commandments and who knows how many rabbinical laws and Jewish customs that are all part of Judaism. That is what the soul needs for its nourishment, for its nutrition. If you don't feed the soul and you think, that you can still be happy because I'll buy myself another car, a sports car. I'll try to drown out my depression with more entertainment. I'll get a bigger screen for my TV or whatever else that people do. I'll take a trip around the world. That's only going to make the soul feel even more deprived because you're covering it up with things that the soul doesn't care for. So the more we neglect the soul's nutritional needs, the less happy we will be with our wealth. The more the soul is nurtured and happy, the more we will be able to enjoy our physical and material wealth as well. So we have wealth. We have to know where our wealth comes from. It comes from God. We have to put our energy and our emphasis and our enthusiasm not on the actual work or the money that the work will give us, but on the benefits that we will be able to enjoy for ourselves and for others especially. We have the sense of accomplishment when a person observes Shabbat. They have a sense of accomplishment. They feel that they, number one, don't have to become workaholics. They can take a pause and enjoy what they've accomplished. And then you have the license and legitimacy that you are using your wealth to create a sanctuary for God, you're using it for the temple, and every part of your life contributes to that end, then you have legitimacy and brings happiness. Then you have the tea of tzedakah. By giving and sharing your wealth with others, you enjoy the wealth, and you feel good about it, and then the soul has to be happy. In the Messianic age, all of these things will not be compromised. Today, unfortunately, our ability to appreciate at all times that everything comes from God is sometimes compromised. We sometimes convince ourselves that we are the source of our success because we're so brilliant, we're so we're such hardworking people, and we can be mis, mis, our energy can be misdirected, and all these other elements that make wealth really something positive are compromised as long as we are in Galut, in exile, in the Messianic age, which we believe is imminent, everything will change. We will have all these six elements of wealth in a very dramatic way, and therefore the joy, this happiness that we will experience 
from the physical and material world, as Maimonides says, in the Messianic age, we will all be very rich. The world will be filled with all of the delicacies, but it'll be wealth that we could savor, that we will appreciate and really bring us great joy and happiness. It'll be a reflection of our spiritual wealth. When physical wealth is detached from spiritual wealth, it is not a positive thing. When it's a reflection of the spiritual wealth, it is a very positive thing. And that's something that we look forward to, to enjoy wealth, both, both physical and spiritual. Thanks for listening to The Rabbi Greenberg Show.